Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. Welcome this morning. Glad that you are here today. I'm excited about uh, continuing our series this morning and uh, continuing to talk to you in that vein of having the right they in your life. And uh, before I do, I want to take just a moment. I was going to do this last week, and then I just felt, well, you know, I have such strong feelings about certain aspects of this that uh, sometimes my passion gets construed. And so I thought, well, I'll wait. But I feel like it's important to say to you today, why Fifty Shades of They? Why do we pick that title? All of you are well aware of the movie that came out, the book that was written, Fifty Shades of Grey. That is the epitome of every wrong relationship in your life. That is the ultimate expression of what relationship should not look like in any way, shape, or form. Now, for me, I'm tired of the enemy coming in and taking what is good and right and convoluting it and making it into something that is corrupted and not right. So I think it's time for the church to take some things that the enemy has meant for bad and use them for good. And so I want there to be a correlation because that is what is wrong and I'm going to teach you what is right according to God's Word. Amen? Amen. So that's why. That's why. Because when people hear and they see that, because it's everywhere, I want them to be able to go to a different place than what that image conveys. I want them to think, oh wow, I remember our pastor talked about this. And this is what real relationship looks like. Amen? Amen. I just believe that what the enemy has meant for bad, God wants to use for good. And uh, we we got to put some action to that from time to time. Challenge uh, the enemy in some areas. And so this is certainly an area. And so today we're going to continue our series, 50 Shades of They. We're talking about identifying the right they for your life. The people that can help you be all that God has designed you to be. Last week I started preaching uh, a message called Choose. We talked about how each of us has the right and the responsibility to choose our inner circle our inner circle, and the people that are going to most influence us toward God. We have to be selective when we put around us in our inner circle certain people because they are very much going to move us toward or move us away from a relationship with God. And we want people that are going to encourage us. You know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron, right? And so when when it's, what is it talking about there? It's saying, you know, you get around the right people and they're going to make you better. They're going to make you stronger. They're going to make you uh, more solid in your relationship with God. And so, so as we kind of talk through that about how we choose and, and have the right and the privilege to choose those people, we also bear the responsibility of choosing the right people to most influence us in our relationship with God. I'll talk to you about taking an inventory, an inventory of your friendships and taking them through a relationship grid to help you clarify whether they are the right day or the wrong day for you. And I gave you three things. And first of all, I said you have to ask what their affiliation is. What's the, the question with that is, who are they? Who, who are they? What, what are they about? What's their affiliation? 
What is their participation? What are they doing? What are they currently involved in right now? What are they participating in in their lives? And then what is their destination? Where are they headed? Because more than likely, who you hang around with and where they're headed is going to strongly influence what you become and where you're headed in your life. And so we want to write the right day around us. And my point was simply this, that we don't want to let the wrong day get in the way. Amen? Don't let the wrong way get in the way. Solomon, I gave you the example of Solomon. Solomon is the example of the wrong day getting in the way. And then we have Daniel, who is an example of the right day, helping him to become all that God has for him. And so today I want to continue preaching the message, Choose, from our series, Fifty Shades of Day. Will you help me pray this morning? Father, we thank you, Lord, for the presence of God that has filled this house today. Lord, we thank you for the participation of, of worship with our congregation and the engagement, Lord, of your spirit. And I just pray, God, as we are prepped and we are ready to receive your word in fertile and, and, and good ground today. Lord, let the seed be planted. Let it be planted deep. Let it be fertilized and let it produce in each and every one of our lives the blessings and the fruit of God that we so long to produce Lord Jesus let the world around us taste and see that God is good let us be an example of what the right course of action and the right kind of life looks like father not that we are self-righteous not that we are above everything and not that we never fail but father we are a people that are wholly dedicated to following you and having the right kind of relationships we thank you for that in Jesus name we pray amen so I want to continue in that idea, that preaching uh, thought of choose. And so let me begin this morning with our question. What did they influence you to do that you would not have done if they hadn't been around? What did they influence you to do that you would not have done if they had not been around? Good or bad? Well, pastor, I would have never taught the Sunday school class that I really love if they hadn't influenced me to do it. I would have never tried out for sports or I would have never gotten into photography or I would have never asked my wife out on a date had they not encouraged me. Or maybe I would have never done that five-year stretch at Folsom Prison if they hadn't influenced me too. Or I would have stayed in school and finished high school if they had not influenced me to quit. My brother... I have a younger brother, two years younger than me. And my brother's not that exciting. He's not, he's not that exciting of a person. I mean, he, especially when we're growing up. And um, he was one that like every night at 8 o'clock, he's in his room, he's getting ready for bed, and by 9 o'clock, lights out. And don't dare come in there and turn on the light because you have just unleashed a fight. And so my brother was real calm. I mean, my dad really didn't give us a curfew or anything because we really didn't need one. We weren't these kids that were out goofing off and doing things. We were just really kind of boring, I guess. And uh, we would come home. We didn't need a curfew. And so my brother, however, he started hanging out with these guys in his class that really lived completely opposite of the way we lived. They just did all kinds of stuff, and they did it whenever they wanted to, however they wanted to, and... And they really had no one to govern uh, their, their lives. They weren't accountable to anyone. And well, like, my, like I said, my brother was not that exciting of a person. He's not that, not that uh, you know, motivated to be involved in things. But he started hanging out with these people. And then one night, a cop comes to our door and knocks on the door. 
So my dad goes to the door. He's shocked because we've never been in trouble with any of this kind of stuff. And he's standing there with a lemon head. And he says, are you Mr. Pate? And he says, yes. He said, are you the father of Brian Pate? And he says, yes. He said, are you aware that your son has been driving up and down the highway throwing lemon heads at cars as they drive by? My brother was a drive-by lemon header. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? And we thought he lived this reclusive life, yet there was this other side. But here's the deal. My brother wasn't that person. He would have never done anything like that. He was not a drive-by lemon header. But he hung around with the wrong people. And he was in the car with the wrong people. And they were influencing him to do things that he would not have done if they had not been around. And we all can fall into that trap. People can change the very person that you are if they're the wrong people. And they can make you to be the best person that you could ever be if they're the right people. Doesn't mean there's not going to be conflict if they're the right people. Matter of fact, I would say there's going to be conflict if they're the right people because they're going to be ironing, sharpening iron and pushing you to be better and more than you currently are. Amen? Amen. Needless to say, my dad dealt with that swiftly and precisely. And there was never, we don't even buy lemon heads anymore. I'll just say that. When we see them, we turn our nose up and we walk away the other direction. Choose wisely who you let in your inner circle. Choose wisely. You have to choose the right people. So let's talk about some different they's. I talked to you last week about the wrong they. Let me just throw some other they's in the mix here that can help you maybe begin to identify those different people and really begin to put them in the right place in relationship. Not that we're not trying to designate people or we're not trying to uh, categorize people, but you've got to know who's close and who's at this place and that place and who you can be in certain depth of relationship with. And so the first they that I want to talk to you about is the fray they. Recognize the fray they. We all have fray people in our lives. We all have these people that live on the edge of deep relationship. They are people that live in the shallows of relationship. They may be acquaintances. They may be people that you casually know. They may be people that you even do things with from time to time. But they are not in deep fellowship with you. They are just on the fray of that relationship, that deeper relationship. They're living kind of in the shallows of that deep relationship on the edge. Remember last week, we're not talking about living in the shadows but we're actually talking about going into deeper relationships, really being in deep relationship with certain people. The fray they are those people that, are still, that we're still shallow with. That's not to say that, that we can't be deeper with them or we, they can't become a part of our inner circle, but today they're on the fray. Here's an area, let me just tell you, that you have to be careful in. Because some people are on the fray, because you're just early in your relationship. You know, it's just, I just met them. I, I, we're not blood brothers yet, you know what I mean? I mean, we just met. 
And so that's okay. They shouldn't be in a deep relationship. You've got to be careful about just sweeping people in to your inner circle. You've got to be careful about just inviting everybody into your drama and your confusion and your life and even the good things of your life. You've got to be careful about that. You've got to guard your heart. Whose responsibility is it to guard your heart? It's yours. And so you've got to be careful about just wisping people in to those places. Sometimes people are on the fray because you just met them. And that's where they need to be. And so take it slowly. It's just not generally a good rule of thumb. And I know there's anomalies and there's these rare occasions where you meet somebody and you don't just meet that lady or that special man and you just marry them instantly. Why? Because it's just not wise. More than likely it's probably not going to work out. Statistics tell us that it's probably not going to work out that way. And so why do we cultivate a relationship? Because that's how deep relationships are formed. That's how long-lasting relationships are formed over time through process. Now, others are on the fray because that's exactly where they want to be. And that's where they want to stay. Not everybody wants to be in a deep relationship with you. I'm going to let that soak into all the extroverts in the room that are now devastated by the idea that somebody may not want to be in deep relationship with me. Listen, not everybody wants to be. Not everybody needs to be. And you've got to be okay with that. Be okay with loving people at the place they want to love you back. Because you can only love another person at the level that they love you back. And if, you, if they can't get over some things and they can't get past certain things, then that's your boundary line. That's the place you stop. It doesn't mean you don't care about them. It doesn't mean that you're not there for them. It doesn't mean that you don't love them and that you won't come to their aid. It just means that this is as far as my relationship will allow me to go at this particular point. It's real easy to get frustrated with the fray because it's easy for us to expect more from them than they're willing to give. I just want... How many times have I heard this? I just want them to be closer. I just want when we go together that they act right. I just want, listen, it's frustrating to want for someone else something that they don't want for themselves. And it will wear you out seemingly, that's right, because they may want it, they just may not know how to get it yet, and they may not be ready for it at this particular junction in their life. That's okay. We've got to be okay with that. And so identify. Jesus gives us an example of someone that is afraid they for him. We read about him in Matthew 19, 16 through 22, and he is the rich young ruler. This guy is following Jesus a little bit from a distance, and Jesus sees something in him that he likes. And he says, man, this guy may have something, and he could possibly be one of my disciples. And so I'm going to approach him. So he approaches the guy, and he says, hey... You know, hey, would you like to be my disciple? The guy says, yeah, I'd like to be your disciple. And maybe the guy pursued Jesus. That's really what the text tells us. So he's the pursuer. He's the pursuer. And so Jesus says, okay, you want to be my disciple? Then this is the deal. You go and sell all your possessions. Have you, have you kept the commandments? And he said, yeah. He said, okay, then go sell all your possessions and give them to the poor and then come and follow me. And the guy says, hold up. Whoa. I, I'll keep the commandments. I'll be a part of your squad. But when it talks about selling stuff and giving some things up, that's where I draw the line, Jesus. I'm not willing to go to that place. So what he's really saying is, look, I like you, 
and I admire aspects of you, but I'm afraid they. And I'm going to stand back here because I'm not going to pay the price that it costs for me to really be a part of your inner circle. See, we always think that people that we admire, man, I'd really like to be a part of their inner circle. Would you? Because it may cost you more than you're willing to pay to really be a part of their inner circle. And sometimes we think because we like certain aspects or we think that they're a part of a certain crowd that we'd like to be a part of or that they got something to offer us that we're willing to be a part of that. But listen, every relationship comes with a cost. Every relationship comes with a cost. And so if we're not willing to pay the price for that, okay, don't get frustrated by that. Don't, don't, get, don't, don't whine about it, okay? I mean, this guy can't come back later and say, you know, Jesus just don't love me. No, he loves you. He invited you into a deeper relationship. You're the one that said you didn't want to be a part of it. You with me? Okay. You had that look on your face, that blank look for a second there, and it scared me. This is what he says in Matthew 19, 22. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He's like, "Mm, I can't go there. Not everyone is willing to pay the price to be in relationship with you, and that's okay. They are afraid. They just recognize it and don't get frustrated by it. They are where they want to be on the fray. Some people are just there as long as the relationship benefits them, and once it doesn't, they're gone. Fray they. Recognize that and be okay with it. On the other hand, this is also the group that are your potential pool of deep relationships. These are the people that could potentially, maybe not now, but maybe down the road, they could really be close. You could really be close to them. And so let time unfold the process. You know, what I'm saying here is don't burn bridges because it doesn't work out right now. Just be patient with the process because it might work out later. Some people that I never never thought that I would be close to, that I'd have a deep relationship with, I now have a deep relationship with them. But if you'd asked me five years ago, I'd have said no. I don't think so. I don't, we just don't see things the same way. We, we're not the same people. We don't do the same things. We're, there's really not any compatibility things here. Recognize the fray they. Another they that I want you to recognize is the cray they. Does anyone know any people that might be a little cray cray? How do you know if they are the cray they? Well, they look through you and not at you. You know, they kind of got those crazy eyes. You know what I'm talking about. You see the whites of their eyes when they're talking to you. They're a little twitchy, a little quirky. Always invading your personal space. I love that, don't you? Hey, I have a question for you. Yes, what is it? Wow. When you can tell them what they had for breakfast, they may be invading your space. (laughs) Always blowing up your phone. I met them one time. And now we're besties, according to them. Maybe a little cray. Always pinning you down to tell you the latest whatever that has really nothing to do with you. You know, we had this kid that we took to camp. My first, I think it was my first year to actually go to camp as a youth pastor. Maybe second. 
And his name was Justin. And he was a little cray, I'm not going to lie. A little quirky. And he was really interested in pressure points. <laughs> and he had done a lot of studying on pressure points. And so randomly we're playing flag football or we're trying to get ready for service and he walks up to you. Hey, let me show you a pressure point. No, not at this particular moment. I don't. Thank you, though. And he would just look at you from across the room, sometimes like right here, and he was just kind of quirky. One night, I'm laying in bed, and we just turn off the lights. You know how hard it is to get kids to go to sleep at camp. We finally got everybody calmed down, settled in, and I'm laying on my side, and I feel and sense this presence behind me. In camp, at this camp, it was pitch dark. Once you turn the lights off there, you ain't seeing nothing. But you know the sense that you have when somebody's looking at you. You know, you first just kind of pop your eyes up and you're like, oh my God, I can't turn around. So I finally get the courage to turn around and there he is. Let me show you a pressure point. No? No, but I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go to the farthest corner of this dorm and switch places with that boy that's over there because you are invading my space. People that are always living in chaos and keep inviting you to be a part of it. They're crazy. People you're friends with on Facebook and you keep asking yourself why. They're all about the trauma. They're all about the drama. Do you know that drama doesn't just walk into your life? You either create it, invite it, or associate with it. Let me say that again. Drama doesn't just walk into your life. You either create it, you either invite it, or you associate with it. Jesus dealt with it. The disciples dealt with it, and you're going to deal with it too. Let's read an example of Paul dealing with the cray they. Acts 16, verse 17. This girl, isn't that the way it always starts? <laughs> Not because she was a girl. Hey, I'm just reading the scripture to you. I'm not. This girl followed Paul. And us cried out saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Well, she's telling the truth. And this she did for many days. Okay, we heard you. We got it. We heard you the first 40 times that you said it. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. And this is just another example of some... People, not all of them have spirits or anything like that. No, that's an extreme example. But some people that just, they're just not your people. And they just, there's too much drama in their lives right now for you. You have to be careful how much you expose yourself to that kind of situation. Now, we want you to recognize the crazy, and joking aside, they may not be crazy, of course, that's, that's extreme but they have some crazy things going on. Let's get real. 
who doesn't have some crazy things going on in your life, right? And so here's what I would say is that we're somebody's fray they and we're also somebody's cray they. Okay? Okay. Some of you feel relieved to know that. And you need to have some of these people in your life. You've got to have some of these people in your life. We are salt and light. We are salt and light. We're not at all suggesting that you alienate people in your life. We're not saying that. What we're saying is you have to choose wisely who is in your inner circle and who is going to be the people that influence your most important decisions. That's what we're saying. You've got to be helping some people and reaching out to some people. But you also have to recognize and minimize the impact of the cray they and the fray they in your life. Otherwise, here's what happens. You get sucked into the drama they are facing and you start living in a constant cycle of chaos and confusion. The enemy will put as many fray and cray people in your life that you will allow to do and to block you from the right day if you'll let him. So here's what I'm saying to you is yes, you have to have exposure, but you need to choose your exposure. You need to choose it wisely how much you're exposed to that kind of situation in your daily routine. Because here's what I've seen throughout my life, and I know you've seen the same thing, is that there are so many people that the only thing they ever do is walk in the drama and walk in the trauma of whatever's happening in this particular person's life and when they get done with this one they go find another one and they go find another one and it's just constant exposure to all of the chaos and confusion that we have to limit ourselves to you can only expose yourself to that stuff so long before it starts to change who you are and starts to mess with who you are some of us fly dangerously close to the sun and we need to be careful about our exposure and so make sure that you have healthy distance and healthy people surrounding you to balance out the exposure that you have to those that are maybe unhealthy and not ready for a deeper relationship in your walk. Amen? Here's why. Your self-esteem and your self-value are inseparably linked to the people you are in deep fellowship with. They are either encouraging you toward God or they are not. And if you hang out with the wrong they, you begin to compare yourself to them. And you'll never become you. You'll just become one of them. And that's not what we want for you. And that's not certainly what God wants for you. Because when we do that, we're not looking to God to point us in the right direction. We're not looking to people who are pointing us toward God. We're looking to others that are leading us away from Him. Remember last week I talked to you about how all of us have a God gap and, and, and in that gap only God can fill it and we also have a gap that God chooses to fill through human relationships, our, our other relationships. The right they is what He works through to do that. And the enemy will always try to fill this gap with the wrong they. Always. He's always going to do it. Here's the, here's the thing about the enemy is he always tells us what he's going to do because whatever God does, he just does something similar and just corrupts it. 
And so if we know God is a God who tries to bring good relationships in our life, we can be sure that the enemy is an is a, is a entity who will try to bring bad relationships into our life. And so we've got to guard against that. So let's talk now about choosing the right they. Choosing the right way. How do you discover who the right they are? Remember, I'm not talking about... Now listen, I want you to hear this. This is important. I'm not talking about alienating yourself from the world. And I'm not talking about losing influence with the world. We've spent six, seven weeks talking about influencing the lost. And so we're not casting that aside to pick up this. We're talking about two different things here. We're talking about your inner circle relationships, people that you're in, in this walk with versus people that you're trying to reach to, in, 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 to bring in to the walk you're engaged in, okay? And so we're not talking about alienating yourself from the world, losing influence. What I'm talking about is those you are in deep fellowship with. Everyone say deep fellowship. Deep fellowship. We're still salt and light and we're still reaching the lost. So here's six questions I'm going to give you to ask yourself in defining the right they. Six questions to ask yourself in order to define the right they. Number one, do they motivate me to love God more? Do they motivate me to love God more? Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Another translation says, Encourage one another toward good works and toward love. And so, are these people, do they motivate me to love God more? If they're keeping me from a closer walk with God, or if they are discouraging you as you grow with God, they are the wrong they. And it's time for them to move to the fray and let some other peoples come in to your inner circle. Remember I told you that we've got to get comfortable moving things in and out. Because as you grow in your walk with God, not everybody around you grows with you. There are some people that are, that are where they are, they're going to stay where they are, and, and, and a stick of dynamite couldn't move them into a different place. And so they're not going to move. And what's worse than that is not only that sometimes people don't move, it's that sometimes they criticize your movement. And they challenge you not to, well, you're getting carried away. You're, 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 you're taking this to the extreme. My, you used to be fun. What's your problem now? Are they motivating you to love God more or not? Because if they're not, then they may be the wrong day. Okay? Second question. Do they celebrate God's blessing in my life? Proverbs 11.10 says the whole city celebrates when the godly succeed. Do they celebrate God's blessing in my life? If they're disappointed when you have good news, they may not be the right day. If when you tell them what God did for you in the altars and they say, mm, wrong day. Or if they are frustrated because you've got something good in your life. I've got a new house. i got a new car. Oh, really? Well, I wouldn't want that old payment. Wrong day. You want people to celebrate your advances. You want people to celebrate what God's doing in your life. And you want to celebrate what God's doing in their life. So if they're disappointed when you have good news, that may be the wrong day. Third question. Do they have my back? 
Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. They stick with you. They have your back. They're looking out for you. They're guarding you. They're protecting you. They're taking care of you. They're making sure that you're covered. And can I just say that just because they know where your back is doesn't mean they have it. <laughs> they, they might be positioning themselves. Do they have my back? You want people that you can be in a fight with. And then when you're done fighting, you can come out on the other side and say, wow, that was a humdinger, wasn't it? Yep. But nothing's changed in our relationship. And we still love each other. And we still care about each other. And we're still going through this. You want somebody that has your back that when somebody challenges you, they say, oh, no, they're not. They're not going to do that to you. Number four. Do they hold me accountable out of love and friendship? Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Now that's curious, isn't it? Wounds from a friend can be trusted. What's that speak of? It speaks of conflict. It speaks of difficulty. It speaks of challenges. It speaks of um, adversity. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies hisses. When somebody's always telling you what you want to hear, they may not really be your friend. Real friends challenge you. Real friends challenge you. Real friends test you. Real friends will knock off the rough edges of your life off from time to time. Number five, do they live what they believe? Do they live what they believe? Psalms 119.63 says, I am a friend to all who fear you, big U, capital U, talking about God, to all who follow yours, capitalized U again, precepts. I am a friend to all who fear God and to all who follow his God's precepts are they people of integrity and principle or are they flighty you never know where they stand you never know what their opinion is you never know what their position is you never know what principle they're going to choose to live off of at this particular moment in time now we're all flighty at, at some level and we all have struggles at some level I'm not suggesting that we don't I mean we are and I say this so often I get tired of hearing it myself that we are flawed people and we all have issues and we all have struggles and so we're not taking the stance of self-righteousness here because none of us are but what we are saying is look over time there needs to be a pattern of consistency here there needs to be a pattern of ongoing faithfulness to God and, and integrity with God do they live what they believe? And then number six. Do they have the right they in their lives? 
do they have the right day in their lives? Because here's what I think is that who you are yoked to is vitally important because there's a pretty good chance that whoever they're yoked to, you are now yoked to as well. And so it is by association sometimes we get sucked into bad relationships, second generation bad relationships or second level bad relationships. So it's not only important who you have, whether you have the right day in your life, but do the people that you're in relationship with also have the right people in their lives? Well, there was, there's this one guy in our circle who just always is criticizing or he's always pulling at us and he's always, listen, wrong person. Who do you want to be? Where are you trying to get to? Bring the people that will help that happen in your life. Choose the right thing. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, I didn't say that. God said that through Paul, his apostle, in his word. Do not. There's no question about whether there is some um, variation here. There's no question about what he's trying to say here. He's saying, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. What does that word yoked mean? We're going to talk about it more in depth later. But yoked is talking about deep fellowship. Don't be in a deep relationship with someone who doesn't share your direction, your destination, your, your participation. Don't do that. Don't yoke yourself with someone who has not the same values and the same beliefs and the same direction for their life that you have. We see it all the time. Why is America uh, on the brink of collapse because of divorce and because of broken relationships? It's because we have not built them right. So many times the, the divorce rate in the church is just as high as the divorce rate in the world. Why? Because we don't believe 2 Corinthians here and we yoke ourselves with unbelievers or we yoke ourselves with people who don't share our views and our values and before long we can only go so far before there's a fracture, before there's a problem, before it comes into the surface. Young people, if I can talk to anybody in this room, I want you to listen. It's critical, critical that you are in relationship with a boy or girl that loves God and serves God and wants to have the same uh, relationship with God that you want to have in your life. Too many times I have seen people date even in, in other believers in other denominations and it become a problem. But certainly when we date unbelievers, don't do that. He goes on to say, what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? Choose the right day. Choose the right day. So do they motivate me to love God more? Do they celebrate God's blessing in my life? Do they have my back? Do they hold me accountable out of love and friendship? Do they live what they believe? And do they have the right day in their lives? Choose the right day. We are going to be salt and light at this church. We are going to be friends to sinners at this church. We are going to be friends to sinners at this church. But we are going to be in deep fellowship with people who are in relationship with God and who are pointing us 
to a deeper relationship with God. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river.